Welcome to the Blockchain DNA Podcast. This show brings you the latest in blockchain technology and global developments in business and fintech. Presented by Metaverse DNA. I now want to go um, to our next guest, which is actually, I would say, um, a direct uh, link to the financial, I would say, decentralized financial information. His name is George Agatangalu. I will stick to George because it's easier for me to remember. Um, George is based in Cyprus. He has uh, a vast career in uh, financial investment. He has a track record in, in banking and cryptocurrencies. Like our other guests, George, are you on? Because I'm sort of seeing, are you coming on? I'm looking to the technology guys now. Uh, George has been engaged in this space already for a long time, just like our other guests. He started like, hello, George, welcome. Great evening. to see you. Uh, George has been engaged like like the other guests, 2013, 14, uh, getting you know familiar with all the technology opportunities that technology had in this financial sector. I think what he has in common with the other guests that besides being a specialist in his own field, he also has a passion for development. He's into these smaller local communities, building up this knowledge, building up uh, interests of people, building basically, I would say, backbone for business coming from his financial background and his financial information. I think being a mentor in this space takes us from the major view that Eric presented, digital identity and all the possibilities that the major industry has over information technology, where Monica just brought us this whole development possibility for especially females in underdeveloped markets. You come from, I would say, a well-development society in Cyprus, uh, where you sustain, I would say, a different angle. So I'm really looking forward to your um, your speech, basically, on decentralized finance, as I see it's, it's, it's going to be a major topic over the next decade. So Thank I'll you. leave it to you, George. Welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, it's an honor to be here together with such distinguished guests. I would like to uh, take a moment and share my presentation with you. Um, one second. Can you see my screen? Can you see my screen? Yes, I can see your screen loud and clear. Great. Thank you, Thank you very much. I especially love that you brought the Bitcoin into it because I know that was your starting point in your career, right? <laughs> yes, that is correct. So uh, over this presentation, we'll try to explain simply what is decentralized finance or the open finance movement. We will be discussing a, a global open alternative to every financial service we are using today, whether it's uh, savings, it's loans, trading, insurance, and, and even more. So this is accessible to almost anyone that has a, a smartphone and an internet connection. So DeFi stands for decentralized finance and refers to the ecosystem comprised of financial applications that are being developed on top of blockchain systems. It also stands for the movement that promotes the use of decentralized networks and open source software to create multiple types of financial services and uh, products. 
So we are creating monetary banking services like with the issuance of stable coins. We are providing peer-to-peer -peer or pooled lending and borrowing platforms. And we are enabling advanced financial instruments such as decentralized exchanges, tokenization platforms, insurance, derivatives, and prediction markets. Now, over the last year, the term DeFi has caused uh, quite a stir in the decentralized community. Many in this community believe that uh, DeFi has the potential to transform the global economy by making the finance sector transparent and easily more accessible. The idea is to develop financial dApps on top of a transparent and trustless network, such as permissionless blockchains and other peer-to-peer -peer protocols. You can think of a dApp simply like a, an application that is built on decentralized technology rather than being built and controlled by a single centralized entity or company. So decentralized finance refers to the ecosystem comprised of financial application being developed on open decentralized networks or blockchain systems and open source software to create multiple types of financial services and products. This is now possible because we have smart contract blockchains like the Ethereum blockchain. Smart contracts are programs running on the blockchain that can execute automatically when certain conditions are met. These smart contracts enable developers to build far more uh, sophisticated functionality than simply sending and receiving cryptocurrency. These programs, we call them decentralized apps or dApps. They are DeFi dApps that allow you to create stable coins, that allow you to lend money, to earn interest on your crypto, uh, allow you to take a loan, to exchange one asset for another. Uh, you can go long or short on uh, various assets and even implement automated advanced investment strategies. DApps are designed to be uh, global from day one. So whether you are in Cyprus or you are, you are in uh, Singapore or in China or in the US and you have access to the same DeFi services and networks. Of course, local regulations may apply, but technically speaking, most DeFi apps are available to anyone with an internet connection. Now, as mentioned before, it was estim it's estimated that 3.2 billion people around the world have no access to essential financial services. However, with a simple internet connection, they will be able to access smart contracts and have financial growth with DeFi. The Ethereum ecosystem may be a decentralized solution to all the issues that we see today in traditional financial systems. And DeFi has also become now a hub for financial innovation. Traditional finance is centralized. We have central banks and authorities controlling our money for us as we do not have the right to choose the monetary policy that governs us. We rely, hope, and pray that these institutions are not taking advantage of us with their monetary policies. However, the history of money has plenty examples of why a system based on trust is inevitably going to fail. During the current crisis of coronavirus, the Federal Reserve, the USA central banking system, recently made the headlines by stating they would inject as much as $1.5 trillion into the market to prevent any unusual disruptions and bail out banks that are under immense financial pressure. Throughout March and April, the US government passed three main relief packages and one supplemental one totaling near, nearly $2.8 trillion. The Fed's balance sheet has balanced as ballooned to $6.57 trillion 
and it's up more than $2 trillion in just the last six weeks. However, we need to know that this money is not free. Someone will have to pay for it eventually. Ultimately, the ordinary people will have to pay the price and it comes either in the form of increased taxes or higher unemployment rates. There is a massive misalignment between the interests of people and the interests of financial services and institutions. So even though millions of around the world are losing their jobs, we see big companies still manage to profit. And the solution to this problem, in my opinion, lies in the decentralization. The DeFi movement le leverages decentralized networks to transform all financial products into trustless and transparent protocols that run without third-party intermediaries. Currently, uh, when we're talking about DeFi, the, the largest functions are to create monetary banking services, as in the example of stable coins for savings, or to provide peer-to-peer -peer or pool lending and borrowing platforms for interest. Another function is to enable advanced financial instruments such as uh, derivatives, uh, decentralized exchanges, insurance, tokenization platforms, and prediction markets. Here we see a slide about the public blockchains. So, so to recap, DeFi is a brand new monetary system which is built on these public blockchains. The components of open finance consist of protocols, digital assets, dApps, and smart contracts, which are built on blockchains like Ethereum. Smart contracts provide the infrastructure for many decentralized finance technologies, allowing for the implementation of decentralized governance models and the facilitation of financial transactions among other uses. With smart contracts, business processes can be automated without relying on third parties for trust, without any significant barriers to access. So, whether you are a large or, uh, or small business, the, the, the playing field is leveled through open public blockchains. Now, some of the uh, disruptive properties that the public blockchains have are, of course, the decentralization. Every node in the network maintains a copy of all the data stored inside the blockchain, so you don't need any centralized authority. Now, imagine that you have a, a decentralized bank or a finance system that is not dependent on a, on a central regulator. And this is one of the most exciting promises coming from DeFi. We also have transparency. Since everyone on the network maintains a copy on the blockchain and it's open for them to use. It is permissionless. A public blockchain, as opposed to a permission or private one, is open for everyone. By utilizing this property, DeFi will be able to create an open system where people from all around the world who do not have access to sophisticated financial services, they will be now able to participate almost freely without going through extensive red tape and bureaucracy. And in this trustless system, individual nodes have an economic incentive to work in the interest of the system. This is in contrast, again, with the traditional financial system where you need to trust a centralized governing body to do their job well. And we all know how that ends. Censorship resistant is another uh, very disruptive property. Blockchains leverage sophisticated cryptographic hash functions to be completely immutable. In other words, once you enter some data into the blockchain, no one can tamper with it. And programmable, public blockchains like Ethereum are open source systems, and they welcome developers from all around the world to create their own unique applications on top of them. This uh, openness to innovation has led to the creation of some very uh, interesting DeFi applications. So, why decentralized finance? 
Since uh, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin are already decentralized and borderless, the question comes, why do we need it? If you compare pure cryptocurrencies with decentralized finance, it's like we are comparing uh, cash dollars to loans. So DeFi is a financial service that can have multiple use cases. Old school cryptocurrencies have decentralized the act of issuing and storing money. However, they haven't decentralized the core financial system in itself. Cryptocurrencies are still dependent on centralized exchanges for their use. DeFi brings in the decentralized aspect, decentralized exchanges to make sure that there are no centralized point of failures within the ecosystem. Here we can see a slide where we compare decentralized finance with traditional finance. While decentralized finance is only an advanced version of the finance structure, there are some inherent decentralized differences to consider. So before the onset of the decentralized finance era, several factors presented barriers to entry in the global financial markets. And these factors may include like a citizenship or legal statuses, credentials, the high funding requirement to access these financial services, the geographical location uh, in relation to the provider of the service, the currency risk that you also have, the operational risk due to cross-border payments or uh, money laundering regulations, and of course, the concentration of knowledge among the incumbent industry players. So at its center, the operations of DeFi are not managed by institutions and employees. Their role is replaced by algorithms, written in code via smart contracts in the DeFi environment. Once a smart contract is deployed on the blockchain, DeFi apps run without any human intervention. And another thing that clearly defines the difference is, of course, the transparency that we have. This makes it possible, the transparency, to, for anyone to audit. We can develop a trust with users because everyone has the opportunity of understanding the contract's functionality. And since the transactions are pseudonymous, the privacy questions do not emerge. DApps, decentralized application, another type of this blockchain application used in the DeFi, have been designed to act globally from day one. So it doesn't matter where you, which geographic location you belong to. The access to the DeFi networks and services are the same as long as you have an internet connection. So anyone can create decentralized finance finance applications and anybody can use them and this is comes into contradiction with today's finance where there are there are accounts and gatekeepers uh, keeping people up of course another very important uh, factor is the innovation the new decentralized finance mobile applications are built and composed by mixing other DeFi products just in the case of lego blocks so, for example, we can see decentralized exchanges or stable coins and prediction markets that can be mixed and develop new products. So the evolution of DeFi over the years means that most people around the world are not only limited by their imagination when considering how to gain benefits from the financial system. However, there are still many complexities that we need to address in order to fully expand the possibilities of DeFi. Here we can see the current, system, the current state of DeFi system ecosystem as of today. We can see that we have $901 uh, million dollars, uh, locked up in uh, DeFi. So uh, industry observers, we, we measure this traction with a, a new metric. It's called ETH 
locked in DeFi. A vast majority of the DeFi uh, apps are built on the Ethereum blockchain, since it's the most well-known smart contract platform in the world. And also it has a huge developer community. You can think of Ethereum as a global supercomputer that it rents out its computational resources to developers around the world who want to build their own applications on top of it. So as per the DeFi pulse, this is the current state. We can see 901 million currently locked up in DeFi smart contracts. And another important uh, point is that uh, on February 11, 2020, the amount of USD locked up in DeFi, it crossed $1 billion reaching its highest point on February 15th, when it reached $1.24 billion. MakerDAO, a DeFi lending protocol that's famous for its crypto-packed stablecoin DAI, has uh, the, the greatest dominance over the market. It's almost 54%, as you can see. So with uh, DeFi Review, another website, we can see a complete overview of the decentralized finance ecosystem across all the platforms. When you include all the platforms, the total money locked up crosses a billion dollars. Coming in second is the EOS-based lending protocol called EOSREX with more than $200 million locked up as of today. Stablecoins. Stablecoins have become one of the most important determinants of success in the DeFi ecosystem. We have seen significant growth in the sector and this can be attributed to the diverse range of uh, stablecoins in the space. The stablecoins on the network make the DeFi instruments more accessible for people around the world. Additionally, this opens the gates for more demand to be met. And in the end of the day, we will see significant price increases perhaps in the digital assets that are demanded by the customers. So as an example, a, a DeFi user can convert a stablecoin to Ether so that they may use the converted value to fund a collateralized debt position, a CDP. Provided that the investments grow in the future, the long-term benefits may be gained by the DeFi user who, without the stablecoin, may not have been able to engage in the CDP. This is in contrast to the traditional payment systems, which not only take longer to process transactions, but are also almost impossible to use uh, when you are in different geographic locations. So just like the internet made the exchange of information cheap and easy, Decentralized finance will make value transfer easy by stripping away layers of complexity that exist in traditional finance systems. Stablecoins tend to significantly reduce the risk of cross-border transactions and the volatility associated with fiat currencies. For this reason, it, it should come as no surprise that 50% of stablecoins were reported to run on Ethereum. In addition, we see reports revealing about 2% of ETH in existence being locked up as DAI stablecoin backing collateral. The effects of stablecoins on the network are monumental, provided that you have an adequate smart contract infrastructure implemented to support the governance systems, stablecoins could drive demand not only for Ethereum, but for other DeFi networks. However, unfortunately, there are many issues with stablecoins that could delay the sector transition to becoming more robust. But we see small steps uh, doing that, uh, going in the right uh, direction. So in order to understand the true depth of um, uh, the stable coins, the threat and the associated risk, we need also to distinguish between the main types of stable coins. We have fiat collateralized stable coins. We have also crypto collateralized stable coins and non collateralized stable coins. 
fiat collateral stable coins have a lot of popularity due to the fact that the value comes from traditional currencies like the US dollar or the euro. They are usually redeemable one at a, at a one-to-one ratio with fiat currencies and they are pegged against them, making them attractive as a less risky store of value in the crypto industry. So many users of this type of stable coins prefer them as active measures are taken to keep the stable coin at one-to-one ratio with the fiat currency. When we're talking about non-collateralized stable coins, they operate on the basis of algorithms, which make the system supply, uh, supply more tokens as demand increases. As more tokens are supplied, the price of tokens lowers and vice versa in order to ensure that we have a stable peg. And we have the crypto collateralized stable coins that derive value from cryptocurrency assets, which are used as collateral. There are different methods used to maintain the one-to-one peg peg against the assets. Such methods usually include the over-collateralization and various incentives. Maker Maker is uh, the major cryptocurrency stablecoin. We're referring to DAI especially. It is the most dominant project in the decentralized finance with almost $400 uh, locked up in it. MakerDAO allows you to lock up your Ether in a smart contract called collateralized debt position in exchange for DAI, a stable coin that's pegged by a basket of cryptocurrencies. In the Maker ecosystem, there are no lenders. The DAI you receive is a loan that's collateralized by ETH you locked up in the CDP contract. Along with DAI, MakerDAO has another native token called Maker, MKR. MKR is used to pay interest fees and for participating in Maker's decentralized governance. The DAI has a pegging to the US dollar and is backed by ETH. For every DAI, a certain amount of ETH is locked up into a MakerDAO smart contract as collateral. The smart contract releases the collateral once the debt is cleared. It can also sell the collateral if its value drops below a certain value. The volatility of ETH presents risk to the present system as stablecoin liquidation can be enabled. The nature of stablecoins like this can limit the innovation that could be possible without the economic incentives uh, of the system of the DeFi sector. So uh, if we see the unprecedented Black Thursday event that saw the price of DAI rise to over 10% over the intended one uh, US dollar peg, uh, we see a drop in the Ether price along with the blockchain congestion, leading to the emergence of a negative MakerDAO protocol system surplus. That uh, means essentially a debt to the platform. So this appeared due to a, a 5.67 million DAI being uncollateralized. This problem arose not because of a sharp drop in the price and the lack of collateral, but uh, it, it arises due to the manipulations of the initial initiative keepers, the liquidators. So holders of the governance token, Maker, reacted to this occurrence. They lowered the stability fees and the saving rates close to zero. This event brought uh, um, some, uh, some problems to the, to, let's say, it, it arises some um, insights as to the problems of the system. So with negative interest rates, so more downward pressure could have been accepted on the market prices. So despite the initial designs of the system, which would have allowed for negative interest rates in this situation, the current system uh, lacks the mechanism for such rates. So 
this means that there is always room for improvement. Another very popular um, project is Compound. Compound is a lending protocol that aims to build an algorithmic money market protocol on Ethereum. Users can lock up their assets in Compound's liquidity pool and earn passive income via continuously compounding interest. Compound supports a few tokens like uh, BAT, DAI, ETH, USDC, REP, and 0x. Each of these tokens connect to Compound via its native token called C token. C token allows users to earn interest on their money while also enabling them to transfer, trade, and procure services in other applications. Some uh, points to keep in mind Compound maintains excess liquidity through our moving interest rates that depend on the real-time supply and demand for each crypto assets. The interest rate gets compounded as soon as a block is mined, and you have the freedom to pay back your loans and unlock your locked assets anytime you want. Users can mint or create street tokens using an Ethereum-friendly wallet like Metamask or the Coinbase wallet or the Huobu wallet. Derivatives. Derivative is a very known, uh, well-known term in traditional finance, and it refers to a contract that derives its value from the market performance of an underlying entity, such as an asset, an index, or an interest rate. So, uh, the terms of the contracts are executed by a third party called the broker. So, why do we use uh, derivatives in the first place? The two main reasons is that it protects you from future price fluctuations since you signed a contract to buy an asset at a fixed price. And you can it allows you also to gain if you correctly predicted how the price of an asset is going to change in the future. Decentralized derivatives are pretty similar, except for one very important factor. Instead of having a centralized broker, we are using smart contracts to operate. And there are several advantages to this approach. We eliminate the need for a third party. We have automated on-chain settlement, and users can create instruments on virtually any underlying asset. So why are DeFi derivatives so important? Synthetic assets like derivatives, they form a huge and vital part of the global financial landscape. Um, if we look at a report from the Bank of International Settlements for the first half of 2019, we had around $640 trillion in financial derivatives being currently, uh, say, outstanding. This easily makes the derivatives market the largest in the world. With decentralized finance, it will be possible to bring these derivative contracts in the decentralized space. Some of the derivative use cases, uh, as we mentioned before, we can allow uh, investors to mitigate the risk of price fluctuation. We can allow users in developing countries to invest in stocks in first world countries. And we can also bet on uh, coins, let's say cryptocurrency, future performance. Synthetics is one of those projects. It's a peer to contract trading platform. It allows users to mint various synthetic assets, including derivatives. The platform's native synth, the SNX token, provides access to 20 different assets. Um, Bitcoin, US dollar, gold, uh, even, even Tesla stocks. And how does this system uh, actually work? Uh, a user creates synthetic assets by putting collateral in the form of SNX tokens, and the user can then swap their synthetic assets for another. Synthetics put 
collateral mechanism ensures that all BSNX collectively take on the counterparty risk of other users' positions. Here you can see Uniswap, which is an Ethereum-based decentralized exchange that allows for the trading of ETH and ERC-20 token. It uses liquidity reserves in facilitating the exchange of digital assets on its platform. These reserves are provided for by a network of liquidity providers. Individuals can use the protocol as long as they have the MetaMask wallet installed. So exchanges, they serve one of the most critical functions in the crypto ecosystem. They serve as a bridge between the fiat and the crypto world. Having said that, it's hard to ignore the many problems and the way it has plagued the crypto space over the several years. So uh, let's first, we need to address, let's say, the, the elephant in the room, because time and time again, centralized exchanges have proven themselves to be a target for hackers. We have seen exchanges being hacked like the infamous Mt. Gox. Uh, this happened uh, directly as a result of uh, bad, uh, bad management. So the operations of the exchange can be affected by the policies also that is, it is registered in. By having a decentralized exchange, you alleviate these two uh, pain points. So what are decentralized exchanges? Decentralized exchanges or DEXs, they enable trustless trading without having any intermediaries and by running on top of a shared ledger. A DEX directly connects two parties with each other and allows them to share assets without having to go through an intermediary. So let's uh, look at an example. Let's, let's suppose that you want to convert your uh, Bitcoin to Ethereum for some reason. The DEX smart contract will first check if you have sent them the required amount of Bitcoin or not. And the DEX will go through its other request to match you with an appropriate order. Once the transaction is complete, you will then receive the appropriate amount of Ether in your wallet. Some of the advantages of DEXs, you have, as I mentioned before, the lack of intermediary. That means no single point of failure. And you're not dependent on people. You're not dependent on a centralized management. Kyber Network is one of my favorite projects as well. It's one of the most well-known DEXs out there. Kyber works using pools of 70 different ERC-20 tokens called reserves that are controlled by different parties. If you send an order to the Kyber protocol, it looks through all the reserves available and returns the best price possible. The NFT token of Kyber is called Kyber Network Crystals, KNC. And the reserves need to pay fees in KSC to, in order to continue their operations. The fees collected are either burned or awarded into integrated apps. So Kyber enables swap tokens in a fast, simple, and secure way directly on popular websites or wallets that are uh, powered by Kyber. It is quite exciting uh, to see also Kyber partnering with Protofire to allow anyone to operate a trustless Kyber DAO pool. This means that new trustless smart contract proxy will allow anyone to be a non-custodial pool operator without developing new smart contracts. So KNC holders can stake their tokens, participate in governance, voting on the Kyber DAO, and earn ETH rewards. Kyber will be the only DeFi protocol that has a deflationary staking token 
through which ETH rewards and token burns are determined by actual networks and DeFi usage. When we're talking about decentralized finance services, we are bringing numerous benefits when compared to traditional financial services. The rising adoption of open finance platforms and processes give the potential to transform the lives of everyone that is unbanked in the world. On the remittance market from uh, front where we have foreign workers sending billions across borders to their families, the, the fees that they have to pay are sometimes uh, uh, extortionate. So the trends in decentralized finance services come with the potential to cut down these costs and uh, not only increase product, empl employee productivity, but they also help grow economies. Loans are the other challenging area that can be addressed by concentrating on the advantages of DeFi. Presently, it is impossible for the unbanked to borrow money because of a lack of credit score or because they have a bad history with a banking institution. The DeFi platform connects borrowers with lenders, thus eliminating the credit check process by removing inaccuracies and middlemen and bringing transparency and lack of central control in the picture, blockchain is only getting prepared to devise new DeFi cases in every fintech real-world applications. I really don't questions in, George, if you don't mind, because you made such an impressive overview. If you take what you just said in, in yeah. a nutshell, if I may, Having this trustless opportunity in decentralized finance, having an immediate global access, having to participate freely. If you now look back into what Monica said about you know emerging economies, about building actually new G GDP, I would say, what would you say is the potentially best solution in the way of I wouldn't exactly say stable coins, but what would you think out of what you just had as an analysis of the opportunities and, and I would say basically an overview of the possibilities in decentralized finance, what would you say is the, I would say the, the spearheader, the one that has the largest opportunity to make it all work? With Monica, I talked about that snowball effect, okay? All these individual projects that are successful, but relatively small, we are looking for the, the catalyst, basically. What would make one and one or two, but five? What do you think in decentralized finance out of your analysis is the largest potential for that? Well, I would say that uh, because of the way that these systems interact with each other, the, the innovation that we can see in this space can exceed uh, innovation in the traditional finance. The, this space is still very early in its days. I mean that we are seeing a tremendous growth. We are seeing new projects coming up every day. And we can see that the open source, let's say mentality and principles come in to play a huge role when it comes to developing new applications. So because of these uh, principles on which these systems have been developed, uh, it is very important, first of all, to educate people, uh, bring them awareness about, about these projects. And uh, mainly also the, the developer community needs to get more intrigued about them. From then on, we, what is also uh, required is to have a better user experience. You know, um, I'm really looking for the link because it's important for our global economy, especially during this pandemic where 
especially, I would say, the less diversified economies take the biggest hit. You know, if you only rely on the export of apples, you know, what are you going to do when the apple export falls to pieces? So if you look at what you just said, that remark about developers being intrigued by the opportunities, and we heard Monica say, you know, the, the simplest solution, you know, using simple wallets on refurbished phones, where do you think, if we look at the potential of these markets, which is enormous, but most of the development is taking place in already very well-developed economies, where do you think their, their key focus should be in order to, to make this snowball effect, this catalyst in decentralized finance for all these communities? Because in my view, over the next couple of months, it's going to be critical to the survival of many countries. Well, the, the most important uh, point that I want to give you is the user experience. These, these products have been developed by developers for developers. We need to make them simple. We need to make them accessible to people that are not developers. And uh, by doing that, we'll enable everyone uh, being able to send an email, let's say, keeping things simple to also utilize these new age financial services. This is, I think, the, the most important point that uh, needs to be, the, the nail that needs to be hit, let's say. If, if this is uh, achieved, I believe that we will see a, a parabolic expansion of these applications and, of course, the systems. It's all about the user experience. Right now, it's uh, a little bit um, too complicated for people. We need to simplify things. I agree. I'm going to take your analysis towards our next guest. I want to thank you a lot, George. It's been really, I have to review it to take it all in, to be honest. Thank it's very, 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 very good. Because uh, I believe it's quite important for people to see. And uh, this is also something that uh, is also mentioned. So okay. we see the regulatory risk, the limited product and market fits, and of course, the better user experience. If we have these three points, we can actually achieve uh, democratization of financial services and be able also to uh, bank the unbanked. I will take your real good message to our next guest. And I want to thank you so much, George, for attending. I'm sure we'll see a thank lot you. more as you know so much about decentralized finance. I realize how little I know when I listen to you. So thank you so much. And we hope to see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks for joining us this week on the Blockchain DNA podcast. Make sure to visit our website and follow us on social media at DNA by Metaverse or at MVS DNA. Till next time. Till next time. Till next time. Til next time.